Well, we are so glad to have you at every single Fresh Life location all over our church. Thanks for being with us. Those of you watching on the internet, we're glad to have you as well. Uh, we uh, just finished a series of messages called Rock and Soul. And so good, so much fun. But where the series ended, we were left uh, ejected on the back, uh, at the back, out the back end of Psalm 23, sort of in a place of tension. Because what David told us at the very end was that he was really looking forward to dwelling in God's house forever. Uh, but we were forced to try and reconcile that a little bit with the fact that he also, in the psalm, said that he made it his goal to live his entire life out, all the days of his life, in God's house. And we were forced to sort of figure out what that means even. Because if when he was going to die and leave this world, he would go to God's house, how would he live his whole life out in God's house? And the way that we sort of reconciled that is that God's rich and has two houses. He has his house in heaven, and he has his house here on earth. It's his investment property. He spent the blood of Jesus Christ so that we could have a home away from home. And that is my favorite way to think about church. It's heaven's our home, but this is our home away from home. If you're with us for the first time, welcome home. We're glad that you are here. But the tension comes in because when we get to God's house in heaven one day, the living conditions are going to be very different in the sense that there's no danger. You'll never have to lock your door in heaven, thinking about all the difficulties being gone from this life. And, and that's going to be a marvelous thing. But living in God's house here, living in, 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 in this present world as it is, well, all of us, we face storms in this life. We face difficulty in this life. And if you have a Bible, uh, jump into Romans chapter 8, because I feel what God would have us to do this week is to really live there. God just has been speaking to my heart from his word about the tension living uh, but from, from in this home away from home with our hearts set on heaven. And, and how do we deal with the difficulties that we still have to face that will one day be eliminated? But right now, they're still all up in our face. I'm calling this message Tornadoes and Potatoes. That's the title of my message. So Romans chapter 8, it's a powerful chapter. Uh, you should, if you haven't, spend some time in Romans 8. It's, it's, it's like the Swiss Alps of the Bible, this chapter. It's, it's ridiculous. It's just, you look at it, it's like mountaintop, 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 mountaintop. I mean, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to us. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, we're more than conquerors. Uh, he who gave up his son, shall he not freely give up all things? He's arguing from the greater to the lesser. If, if God plundered heaven and stole the, the, the most precious jewel in his, in his display case, his own son, uh, how, how can we hesitate to ask him for anything lesser than that? For anything we could ever need is lesser than God's son. And, and therefore, if God gave us the greater, we should never wonder about the lesser. Someone once said, if God gave you a diamond, and, and you were walking out the door with a diamond, and you turn back and say, could I get one of those velvet boxes to display my diamond in? Is he, is he going to scoff at you? If he gave you a diamond, he'd be like, yeah, here's, a, here's 50 of them. You want one for every day of the week? I got, I got one for every, seven different colors. You could one for Sunday and one for Thursday, right? Like, you never have to worry, like, should I pray about this? Like, if he gave you the diamond, he's going to give you the box. Come on, elbow your neighbor, tell him he's going to give you a box. All right. So, so there's lots of great stuff in Romans 8. Um, and what we find in verse 18 is potentially the most helpful for the dilemma that I just presented you with. 
of we're going to one day in heaven have none of the problems we deal with. But today, storms do come our way. Storms do show up in our life. And, and how do we balance that tension? Well, Paul gives some math for us here in verse 18. And we're going to have it on the screen if you're new and you don't know how to find your way to Romans. We always put the scriptures up for you. Here's what Paul says. He says, for I consider. Everyone say, for I consider. That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. God, I just pray you'd speak to our hearts, you'd open our eyes, you'd save those who need saving, you'd heal those who need healing, you'd encourage those who need encouraging, and I pray you'd give us all strength, straddling these two realities. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, Amen. Paul has been up until this point discussing the suffering and the glory that we experience as God's children. And they both come. And you have to take the good with the bad and the bad with the good. If you're going to be a part of a house, you experience all that hits the house. I mean, think about it. If um, you live in my house, and, and we do life together in a home um, as, a, as a child, as a, as a parent, as a sibling. You, you experience everything that each of the members of the family bring into the house. Um, if somebody gets sick, generally speaking, it'll sweep through the whole home. And that's been Jenny and I's experience for the past 11 years. Uh, one of our children gets something, we get something. And we get something, and our kids get the thing. And it's just kind of boom, 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 like dominoes goes through the house. And that, that, that means that if someone in the home is in a crisis, I remember when I broke my leg, that affected the living experience of all of our home for a while. Jenny being pregnant at this point on the no-fly list. She's on the FAA no-fly list right now. She is grounded. Uh, <laughs> we we are, are all having, the, our lives are changing because of that. Uh, but you get the good with the bad, though. Not just the bad with the good, but you get with the good with the bad. Someone has a birthday, you all eat cake. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, the more people in your family, the more times you get to say, let us eat cake. It's just, it's a great thing. I'm actually not really a big cake guy, uh, but more of a pie guy. But the, the, the point remains, when a blessing comes into the home, everybody gets to ride that wave. You get to be a part of the birthday party. It's all the excitement of it. And that's sort of what, been what Paul's saying. And if you look back even just one verse, look what he said. Just a verse prior to this epic verse, verse 18, he says, if we're his children, we share his treasures. And all that Christ claims as his will belong to all of us as well. Pause right there. All that is Christ comes to us. We could spend a whole month on that. Yeah. All that's Christ. What's Christ? Everything. And we're joint heirs with Christ. It means if he has it, we have it. So all that comes to Christ belongs to us, will belong to us as well. That's massive. OK, going on to the next verse. Yes, if we share in his suffering. Wait a minute. I don't think I want that. No, if you want to be part of the house, you're going to get all that comes to the house. Wow. But good news, if we share in his suffering, we shall certainly share in his glory. There is suffering that comes our way from choosing to follow Jesus. We are of the party of Christ. We're Jesus people. If you call yourself a Christian, what you're saying is, I want to be like Jesus. In fact, the first time that word was ever used, it was a put down. It was, it was a way to say, y'all are the worst. You're just a bunch of little Jesuses, little Christ. And the Christians were like, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said. Do you really mean it? Like, that, that's my goal in life. Hashtag goals. I want to be like, I want to be a little Jesus. Don't you want to be a little Jesus? Don't you want to 
be as loving as he was? Don't you want to be as kind as he is? Don't you want to? I mean, listen, my friend, Pastor Andy Stanley, he says, even people who didn't like Jesus like being around Jesus. You don't have to believe what he believed. People wanted to be around him. Religious people wanted to be around him. Sinners wanted to be around him. Prostitutes wanted to be around him. People wanted to be around him. Little kids ran to Jesus. All the time, the disciples were like, get away, get this kid to it. How, how many people do you know who are super grumpy and a big old bummer who little kids run to? The kind of person little kids run to is just a fun person. He always has, you know, candy ears and making fun and lying down on the ground and wrestling. Like the, the kind, Jesus had just kids always like wanting to wrestle with him. And the disciples were like, stop, he has busy work to do. And they're like, you know, actually, I've been with you guys too long. I'm going to go hang out with these kids for a little bit and just have a good time for a second, right? Like Jesus loved being at the little kids' table because that's where the real fun is, truth be told, right? So, so, so really, hashtag Fresh Life Kids, right? So, so, so what he was, what, what, that means, though, is we have to take the good with the bad and the bad with the good. Right. Following Christ is going to bring difficulty. What happened to Jesus? Well, he was killed, right? He was hated. There were people who rose up against him. And, and so we have to understand that if we're going to follow Jesus, there is going to be blowback. There is going to be pushback. If we're going to rise up and, and seize all the blessing and all the calling, all that God has for us to walk in and to experience, and, and if we're going to live that out at work and live that out in our neighborhoods, there's going to be times where the light shines into the darkness and the darkness doesn't like it. The darkness is going to squinch its eyes and prefer to stay in the dim lighting because then the things are going to stay there in the darkness. There will be difficulty. We will suffer. There will be tribulation. There will be hardship that we endure. Life is not going to come up all roses. And, and many times, we, when we experience difficulty, we say, what did I do wrong? We're like, God, what did I do wrong? This happened. Let me tell, tell you something. It might be, the, the better question might be, what did you do right? choosing to follow Christ. If you're hurting today, be encouraged. If you're hurting today, if you're going through something, it might be you are right on the right track. It might be that you are you're doing exactly what God has for you. And that's what's brought the difficulty. You got to look at things a little bit differently. You need to examine things in a different, in a different light. And so what he's saying here is we're going to experience all of the good and the bad that comes with following Jesus. But that's not the only reason you'll experience difficulty. If you don't follow Jesus in this world, newsflash, you're going to experience difficulty too. If you say, well, I don't want to follow Christ, I don't want to follow him, your, your life is going to involve pain. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. And you're still going to experience sickness. I made a little list. You're still going to experience when, if and when natural disasters come. They don't stop. The tornado does not stop and be like, wait, are you a believer? And then, and then crush the house or not? Like, like the, the, the rain, it falls on the good and the wicked alike. Uh, stress, the effects of aging, burpees. There's just so many things in this fallen world that we go through that cause your sternum to burn and light on fire. It feels like someone poured battery acid down. That's why I won't do them. I just can't. I, I, someone, a friend of mine saw it worked out. It happens once a month. And uh, they, they said to me, uh, now you're going to do CrossFit. Does this mean you're going to do CrossFit? And I just wrote, back as quick as I could. No, 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 this is not me and I will do CrossFit nor will I ever, right? Because I don't like pain. I, I, the only reason I, I, I work out is so I can eat things like carne asada french fries. I, it's, I discovered that recently. They put carne asada meat on a french fries. Like that, how did I not think of that? It's two, two good things mixed together. That's, that's why I work out. But, but here, here's, the, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that the suffering, the suffering that comes because we live in a fallen world and the suffering that we experience because we follow Jesus Christ, it's not the only thing at play. There's also something else, glory. 
Glory that comes as a child of God. Glory that's promised. So, so really, if we're to, to, to put a, uh, uh, an overarching label on, on, these, on this whole subject, it would be this. There's present problems and a promised prize. There's present problems that we experience here and now, and there's a promised prize that comes as a child of God. And Paul's logic is that the promised prize is actually the way through the present problems. The promised prize is the way through, is the key to. In what you go through, the problems you face presently, the key is keeping in mind and keeping in heart and standing upon the promised prize that comes as a joint heir, as a child of God. So that is what we're supposed to be focused on. And, and, and when these trials come our way that feel at times like they're storms bearing down us, like an F5 tornado, the key is to keep in mind, to keep fighting your way through the suffering by leaning into the glory. Fight your way through the suffering by leaning into the glory. And that's called perspective. It's called keeping in mind the perspective of the glory, the glory that God has promised. The glory, Paul is saying, is so good that it is capable of bringing a a storm that feels massive and shrinking it in your mind and shrinking it in your heart. So where the the F5 tornado turns into a tempest contained within a teacup. That's what is in Paul's logic here when he says in verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. He's saying the promised prize is that good. It's so good that it'll cause you to look at your present problems in a completely different light. Now you're thinking that's great for Paul because he probably lived this perfect life. He's a pastor. He's a preacher. He can't to my life because my kids don't obey and and we're dealing with unemployment and this difficulty here and this addiction in my family. You're thinking the word cancer has been spoken. So that's great for that man of God who spent most of his day polishing his halo. And he can say, oh, the glory is so good. My problems are not a big deal. And he could wipe off his shoulder and it's all good. In case that's what you're thinking, about the Apostle Paul. Let me uh, read to you a little passage from 2 Corinthians 11 where Paul told you and me about what his life looked like. Uh, Here's what he said. He said, I've worked much harder, uh, been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count. I've been at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times with the Jews, 39 lashes. I've been beaten by Roman rods three times. I've been pummeled with rocks once. That that didn't feel great. I've been shipwrecked three times, three times. Like how many shipwrecks have you been through? Paul's been through three of them, okay? Uh, He didn't even include the snake bite that happened after one of the shipwrecks, but he continued. I've been immersed in the open sea for a night and a day. What is that like? Castaways, Tom Hanks. The plane went down, he's in the water for a night and a day. We don't even know exactly when that uh, went down. In hard traveling, oh, year in and year out. Yeah, must have logged a lot of air miles. Oh, no, this would be foot miles and camel miles and uh, other kind of miles that were not airplane miles because there were not airplanes, right? I've had to ford rivers. This is Oregon trail action. I've had to fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city. I've been at risk in the country. I've been in danger by desert and sun and sea and storm. I've been betrayed by those that I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery. I've known hard labor. Many a long night and lonely night without sleep. I've missed many a meal. I've been blasted by the cold. I've been naked to the weather. And that's not the half of it when you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of doing ministry in a local church. And looking at all that, and looking at the fact that the way Paul left this world to go to heaven was him being forced to kneel so someone with an axe could chop his 
head off. And taking all of that into account, he said, looking at it in another translation, in my opinion, whatever we may have to go through now is less than nothing compared with the magnificent future God has planned for us. What Paul understood that you need to know is that present problems become seen as temporary and negligible. Negligible. Like, I could mention it to you, but it's really not even worth even including in the list. Temporary and negligible when you properly understand the promised prize of being a follower of Jesus. Now, what I love about that is that Paul is being honest that the pain is real. God doesn't want you to act like you haven't lost anything. What he wants you to do is to celebrate all that you found. Excuse you. He doesn't want you to walk around in denial pretending like you've never hurt, pretending like you've never suffered. But what he wants you to do is to always think about the things that you walk through that, that hurt, that are hard, the problems, the pain, the difficulty, the suffering, the loss, keeping in mind what you've gained. That's what he is saying here. And anytime we lose that, anytime we lose that perspective, chances are it's because we are only looking at the problems and we're not taking into account the prize. And so what we have to do is we have to, listen, we have to learn to measure things differently. Now, what I have here is I have two different scales up here on this table. And in between them, representing the difficulties that we face in life, I have this jar full of screws and, 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 and bolts, and, and these represent the hardships that we face. And the difficulty is for, for many of us is that we, when we weigh these things, we weigh them only. We weigh them exclusively. So you, you go through something difficult in your marriage, and that's a screw. And you, you, you have someone who's battling a, a mental health condition, and that's a screw. And you take these things, and, and pretty soon they start to feel weighty, and they start to feel sharp. And what happens is we turn the scale on, and we weigh them. And these right here that I just brought out, they weigh 11 grams. 11 grams, and, and that feels heavy because we're just weighing our trial by itself, and it feels so bad. And we add this in because this just happened with our child, or this just happened, and now, now I'm up to 29 grams. And you live a little bit longer, and, and pretty soon it starts to get heavier and starts to get heavier and starts to get heavier. But the failure is not that you're weighing these things and being honest. God doesn't want you to act like it doesn't hurt when it does. The problem is that's all that you're weighing. That's all that you're weighing. You're not taking into account the bigger picture. So what you need to do is you have to get perspective on what you're looking at by pulling in the promises of God that are coming for those who are followers of Jesus. Because when there's perspective, it radically changes the heaviness of something. Take the biggest thing you could think of. Like like I, I thought of immediately the space shuttle. Special, gigantic. I've seen this thing where they have it in Florida. It's massive. I mean, look at the, this is the Endeavor here. It's, it's enormous. You, you look at this thing, you're like, how in the world, this thing's been to outer space. It's crazy, right? It's huge, right? Is it, is it huge? Yeah. Well, yeah, it is, because look how big it is compared to that guy. But do you know how they get this thing around when it's not flying in outer space? On the back of a 747. So now let me ask you this. How big is that space shuttle? According to the 747, it's not that big at all. 
because the space shuttle weighs 83 tons, which is approximately half the fully weighted load of a normal 747 that's carrying people and seats around and luggage. So this 747, is it that heavy? It's like, this is the best day ever. It's a day off for me. This is wonderful. I could do this for weeks, right? I believe I could fly. I believe I could touch the sky. So, so the perspective changes when you look at something. The way to make something big seem smaller is to look at something bigger. So, so, so where we are tempted to just do this right here, to just look at this right here, what God wants us to do is to get a bigger scale, to get a bigger scale. This scale is, is not big enough, and I, I can prove it to you, because this scale maxes out at a certain point. If I get enough things on here, if I get, enough, if I get my water over here, if I get enough things, eventually this scale, it can't handle it. It can't handle it. It'll just max out. Then everything will basically just be the same weight because it can't handle, it couldn't handle my weight. But if I take this scale right here, this scale is, is big enough to handle me. And so if I stand on this scale, you're like, what does it say? Yeah, it's for me to know and for you not to find out. This scale actually tells body fat as well if I was barefoot. And we will be keeping that to ourselves, OK? So this scale can tell me exactly how much I weigh, 163 pounds currently. Thanks for bringing it up. Hashtag carne asada fries. OK, so, so here's the crazy thing about this scale. This scale does not count everything the same. And if I'm now using this scale, guess what? These same things that seem so heavy when I was weighing them by themselves, they're not even heavy enough to turn the scale on. The scale will never activate with just a handful of screws upon it. And God wants to give you a bigger scale. If you have a scale big enough for God's glory, it will help you make sense of the pain in your story. And that's my whole message. You cannot just measure the difficulties that you face without pulling in the bigger things that God has for you. Measuring your pain alone will weigh you down. But when you pull in the promised reward and you measure your pain against it, well, guess what? You'll see the crown inside the cross. You'll see all that God has for you. You won't just see the suffering. You'll see the glory. God doesn't want you just to be weighed down. He wants you, as you experience the difficulty that comes from following the one who died on the cross, for you to see his promise for your life, the glory for your life. So how do you get a bigger scale? How do you pull at the edges of it to make it capable of handling all that God has for you, both the suffering and the glory, which actually are inseparable and incomparable? You can't have one without the other, but they can't actually properly be compared. Because uh, Gromacki, he said this, Robert Gromacki in his commentary, he said that trials are a necessary means to a glorious end. So they're inseparable but incomparable, meaning that one is so big, you really can't rightly compare them at all. So let's say you live 70 years and the cancer stays and God doesn't heal you. Or let's say this happened, this happened over here and you carry it for your whole life. Was well, that your whole life? Well, if you're a believer, you die, you go to live with, in, with Jesus in his house forever. And you're there 10,000 years times 10,000 years times 10,000 years. So you have the infinity without the trial. And you, you'll say you have 60 years with the trial. Can you really compare this to that? Can you, it's not the space shuttle, the seven. 47. It's this right here, a speck of dust compared to all the sand on all the seashores, on all the planets, in all the galaxies, in all the universe that we know about, the one we don't know. All I'm saying is it's as inseparable as it is comparable. So how do you get that bigger scale? Well, you foster your faith to see the invisible. 
Because as Eugene Peterson put it, reality is made up mostly of what we cannot see. Reality is made up mostly of what we cannot see. So if all you're, you're measuring and weighing is what's in your bank account, what you have to eat, how many friends you have, your job, your life here, your home here, you're, you're ignoring most of reality. Because most of reality is invisible. Most of reality is eternal. And so you have to pull at the edges of your mind to actually factor in glory. Now, I wish we could spend more time. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Who's to say? Me, probably. But at the same time, I'm going to give you two categories to grow your scale. Two categories. Glory ultimately and glory incrementally. Glory ultimately and glory incrementally. Because obviously, when we talk about the glory that will be revealed in us, if you read the rest of Romans 8, you're going to read a whole lot about the earth groaning to be redeemed. You're going to read about your heart groaning to be made new, that you're longing for a new body. You're, you're, your body knows it was never supposed to get sick. It was never part of the original equation. You're longing for everything that's ever wrong in this world. Take anything you ever went, oh, that shouldn't be. Anything that ever caused you to go, oh, that, that makes my heart heavy. That, those things are going to be made right. Those things are going to be made new. This whole world is going to be restored. It's going to be like a seed going into the ground that comes out a flower or a tree. It's going to all be perfected like it was before the fall. And if you're a child of God, the same thing applies to your body. Your funeral, when your body is buried or the ashes get scattered, those are really not, it's not RIP, rest in peace. It's RIP. It's going to be raised in power eventually, ultimately. That's what God has. The grave is temporary. The cemetery doesn't get the last word. Christ is going to return with the trump of a, of, a, of a trumpet being blasted and angels shouting. He's going to roar. Those who are in their graves are going to rise in Christ. Okay? So, so, so glory ultimately, that's awesome. We should always think of these things. We can't think of heaven too often. But as we're weighing things, we also need to factor in glory incrementally, meaning there's a glory God wants you to experience tomorrow. There's a, there's a glory that God wants you to experience in 15, 54 minutes and 15 minutes after that and in 15 years after that. Every day there's new glory. Every day it's too early to give up. Every day it's too early to quit. Every day it's too early to check out. There's glory incrementally from glory to glory, from grace to grace every single day. He always saves the best for last. Every, every day he's got something new for you. That's, that's what God wants you to understand. So in your pain even, even in your pain, there's, there's, there's glory that, that God wants to unleash on this universe through how he works in your heart in the midst of your pain. Even while the things remain at times that cause our hearts to groan, God wants to release his glory through you honoring him in the midst of it, through you reaching out to other people who you are uniquely qualified to minister to you because of the thing that you prayed for that you wish would go away, that God could heal and maybe he will, but if he doesn't, he's going to release his glory. This has happened, no matter what has happened in your life, this has happened so the glory of God might be revealed. This has, say that over your circumstance. Why did this happen? So the glory of God might be revealed. And if he heals me, he gets glory. If he doesn't heal me, he's going to get glory. If I touch someone else who goes through it, he's going to get glory. So believe for the glory of God to be revealed in your anxiety, in your poverty, in your difficulty, in everything. It's so the glory can be glory incrementally, even in the way he reveals himself to you. God wants his glory to be revealed as you learn more of who he is. 
as you approach worship, every time you worship, through giving, through living, through singing, through, through every act of worship and obedience, working, that, that, that he gets glorified by showing himself to you. And when you're in pain, when you're on fire, you're more qualified than ever to hear his voice because he leans into the brokenhearted and comes near to those who have a contrite spirit. So his glory ultimately, his glory incrementally, these two things will swap out our small scale that only measures this life and only measures money and followers. And it trades it for something that takes into account the pain that we've, the, the things we've lost but it remembers what we found. And it chooses stubbornly to focus on those things, OK? So, so listen to me. Perspective eliminates despair. Perspective, jot that down. It'll eliminate despair. And what will happen when you're experiencing and thinking about the glory of God in the midst of what you're, you're facing, all of a sudden, the storm that felt so big, it shrinks down, doesn't it? It shrinks down to the, you can't think about a, a million years from now being more yourself than you are today and more strong and knowing Jesus more and, and, then, and then complain about something here. It just, it just doesn't, Paul's like, ah, I can talk about it, but it just doesn't even seem worthy to be compared. It just doesn't even make sense to even spend time worrying about it when so much better stuff is coming now and then, ultimately and incrementally, OK? So, so what happens when even an F5 tornado is barreling down on your life? Well, guess what? 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, these hard times are small potatoes compared. Come on, God wants to turn your tornado into a potato. Come on, he wants to because of the coming good times. And God says over your situation, let the party continue. He's prepared for you. He's got this. He wants to work in your life. But warning, and we're about to shut this down. The worship teams can come up at every single location as we begin to move this to a close. Here's my warning for you. My warning for you is that perspective is relative. Relative. Meaning it's fluid, not fixed. Your perspective's constantly shifting, constantly shifting because of what you're choosing to look at. Take a phone. When you look at something and you, lo you, you tap something and the light comes in or it goes out, if you move, it changes. If you move, it changes. So the perspective is, is relative. It's fluid, not fixed. So you can't set it once and think you got it. Yes, 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 yes. If you look at, at something big, it changes your estimation of how big uh, something else is. If you look at uh, the Grand Canyon, that's a big hole. It's a big hole. But then if you lift your eyes to the stars, it shrinks the Grand Canyon. The Earth seems big. It's a big world, right? But, but when you look at the Milky Way, our Earth is this tiny speck going around, a tiny star in a tiny corner of this. So, so, so the moment you, you look to the heavens, the earth gets small. But if you look back to your problems and turn your back on God even for a second, the, 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 the molehill will jump back into a mountain. So you look at your, your, your difficulty for too long, and, 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 and it'll jump back. So, so what you have to do is every day continue to focus on the glory and not just on the present suffering. You have to focus on, on, on the promised prize and not just stare at your present problems. Because here's the good news. With, where God is concerned, what's next 
is always greater than what's now. And when we keep our eyes on him, we are opened up to the rest of Romans 8. And when we see it like Paul sees it, that the suffering of this present life isn't even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us, then we are opened up to the rest of Romans 8. And now all things work together. And now we are more than conquerors. And now he who gave up his son shall freely give us all things. And now nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's what the name of Jesus will do in your story. So lift up your hands and lift up your voice and call on his name and keep your eyes on him. He'll lift you up above the waves. Come on, Jesus, Jesus. What an incredible message. Thank you so much for tuning into this teaching with Fresh Life Church. We're so glad that you did. If while watching this message you felt led to follow Jesus, we're so happy for you. And we'd love for you to click the Know God tab at freshlife.church. And there you can watch a quick video and learn just what this relationship with God can look like. We'd also love to send you some resources. So if you click that tab and let us know, we'll get those in your hands. In addition to that, if Fresh Life Church has impacted you in any way, um, if God's doing great things in your life through this ministry, we would love to hear about that. So please click the share your story tab um, at freshlife.church and fill out the form that's there and just tell us how God's moving, what God's doing. The lifeblood of our church is founded on these stories that we receive. Our church family and our church staff are just all so encouraged um, by what God's doing in your life. So do let us know. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can click on the Give tab. It'll launch a safe and secure giving site where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift to help continue supporting this ministry of um, finding those who are stranded in sin and helping them to find life and liberty in Jesus Christ. That's just why we're here and that's why we do what we do. So thanks for watching and we'll see you next time.